0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. I bet my voice surprised a few of you who know that I usually don't do introductions to these Radio Days shows. I wanted new listeners to know this is my personal collection of favorite shows from the golden age of radio, And this is where I go when I want some entertainment outside my narrated podcasts. I use the following criteria for picking favorites here. First, the genre, which is largely cop and detective shows, sometimes suspense drama, and sometimes great movies from producers like Lux Theater, which is how we get movies like Casablanca performed for radio and usually done by the same actors who starred in the movie. In the 40s and 50s, people didn't have any options to see a great movie after it left the box office, so Lux remade it in Hollywood for radio, usually using the same cast. So, genre is first. Second is quality of the sound. I try not to use episodes that are full of static. Third is the writing, as in these Johnny Dollar shows, and the Philip Marlowes and many others that I pick. The story is top-notch. Listen to this episode for clarity of sound and great writing, and you won't be disappointed. Number four is, I hate organ music used in old radio shows, so you won't hear much organ music in my 1001 Radio Days episodes. And remember, fans, crime doesn't pay. But listening to 1001 Radio Days in your spare time will be one of the best getaways you ever made. I'm glad you're here with us. Now, on with the show.
2: From Hollywood, it's time now for...
3: Johnny Dollar. This is Mr. Costello at the Plantagenet Hotel in Vicksburg, Virginia. You left word? Oh, yes, Mr. Costello. I'm acting for Eastern Seaboard Casualty Insurance. You know, investigation. Oh? I understand you had a burglary down there.
4: We sure did, Mr. Dollar.
3: Well, the main reason I wanted to talk to you, Mr. Costello, was to let you know I'm getting the first plane out of Hartford as soon as the weather clears.
4: Uh, You're coming here to Vicksburg?
3: Yes, that's right. Eastern Seaboard Casualties asked me to investigate the burglary for them.
4: Good. Then I'll expect you when I see you.
3: And I'll be there.
2: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours
3: truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Chief Accountant, Eastern Seaboard Casualty Insurance Company, Providence, Rhode Island. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the plant agent matter. Expense account item one, two dollars. Cab fare. My apartment to the Hartford Airport. Item two, $173. One airline ticket from Hartford to Vicksburg, Virginia. And back again. We took off in 10 below zero weather about 1.30 in the afternoon. By five o'clock, we circled into Vicksburg for a landing. Item three, five dollars, carefare, fare, to the Plantation Hotel, three miles outside of town. A pleasant, spacious, gentle old building set back among the wintry trees. Fifteen minutes after checking in, Mr. Costello appeared, wrung my hand, and reported that the Vicksburg police had apprehended the burglar who had rifled the hotel safe the night before. All of the loot had been recovered. As a matter of form, I spent two hours with the police itemizing the stolen property, which was all intact. Then I returned to the hotel, assured Mr. Costello that everything would be all right, and got busy trying to make return reservations for Hartford. Now, the rest of this report is by way of apology for my tardiness in submitting the expense accounts. In between phone calls to the airport, I went downstairs to the bar for a drink and then stepped outside for a walk and a breath of fresh air. In the back of the parking lot behind the hotel, a blonde woman, about 30, in a green suit, was talking to a tall, typically dark man who had his back to me. They were arguing about something. As I walked past them, I couldn't help hearing too well.
5: Please, please help me. Are you talking to me? Yes, please.
6: On your way, mister, this is private. You hear me? Just keep your hands to yourself, bud. Well, keep rolling, then. We're having a little argument, private. Please,
5: please, I don't know who you are, but I'm... Shut up.
6: She's uh, had a little too much to drink, mister, that's all. Oh, that's all? Well, it doesn't look that way to me. Now, what's this all about? I just told you, nosy. She's had a little too much to drink. Now, go on, bud. Get on your way. Wait a minute. I
3: told you to keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. Honey, you want to keep it up? You hear me?
6: Yes. I hear you. And I... I'll let it go this time, mister. Just this once. Do you want to have him
3: hauled in, miss?
5: Oh, no. No, that's all right. It's all
3: right. Okay then. Okay, come on, beat it, you. Now listen, beat busted. it. I said she's tired of you and so am I. Go on, beat it.
6: Okay. Just remember, Amy. I was only trying to talk some sense into you. So long, hero.
7: Thanks.
5: Thank you very much. That was awfully kind of okay, you. Okay. Did he I... hurt you? Yes. Where it hurts the most, I guess. I'll never get accustomed to being disappointed in people.
3: Oh, well, he didn't look like your type anyhow. So why don't you just... Forget... Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, look now.
5: This is just the end of everything. Everything. Yeah,
3: I, I know, well, maybe it looks that way, but, but maybe it isn't.
5: I'm sorry. I'm very sorry to have caused you all this trouble. Well, that's okay. It must... Look rather cheap and dingy. I mean, I don't know what I mean.
3: Well, look, uh, let me ask you something. Did you really have too much to drink tonight?
5: No. No, I only had one drink with
3: him. All right, then maybe you'll let me buy you one. How about it? You're very kind. You look like you should be with someone for a little while right now. So what do you say? How about it?
5: You're a very kind man.
3: And that's the way it began, in the parking lot outside of the Plantagen Hotel in Vicksburg, Virginia. She trembled a little when I led her back inside to the warmth of the bar and the people and sat her down at a booth. Looking back on it now, I guess we had a rather strained, one sided conversation. She did all the listening and seemed preoccupied with her problems, whatever they were. Even though I'm not the greatest wit in the world, I did manage to get a faint smile out of her. It was a nice smile from a warm, frank mouth. Item four, two drinks for us.
5: <laughs> That's cute. Hey, see
3: there? Next thing you know, you'll be telling me a joke. Oh, that reminds me. That reminds me of another one. It's, uh, it's one of the oldest and most respected jokes in the country. You've probably heard it a thousand times. It seems ten men were standing in the rain under an umbrella, and none of them got wet. Well, just about then, a fellow walked up. You...
5: You've been very, very kind to me. Thank you again.
3: Well, I'm. I'm glad you feel better, Miss. Uh...
5: Are you uh, from here in Vicksburg?
3: No, my home's in Hartford, Connecticut. I flew down here this afternoon on business. I'm waiting for a flight out.
5: Oh. What's your name? Johnny Dollar. Thank you again, Johnny Dollar. Hmm. Thank you for not asking me my name. For not asking me about the man in the parking lot. For not asking me to explain what my trouble is. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. (laughs) And thank you for sitting here with me this little while and trying to make me laugh. Hmm.
3: You really feel all right now, huh?
5: Yes, I think so.
3: God, that's swell. Because I wouldn't want to let you go if I thought you were going to step outside and start crying again.
5: No. No, I won't do that, I promise.
3: You sure? Positive. Okay. Ah, you want one more for the road?
5: Oh, thank you, but I'd better not, Mr. Dollar. I really should be getting home.
3: Well, uh... Will everything be all right at home?
5: What? Oh, oh, yes. He wasn't my husband or my boyfriend, even. He won't bother
3: me. Okay, then. Here, let me help you on with your coat. Thank you. There you are. Do you have a car?
5: No, I'll get a cab. There's always one out in front.
3: Good, I'll help you. Say, uh, look, I'm going to tell you something. I'm staying here in Vicksburg at the Plantagenet, and I doubt if I'll be able to get a plane out tonight. Probably not until tomorrow sometime. So, look, if you need me for any reason at all, why don't you just call me, okay? Yes. Thank you. Good. Cab, taxi! You're still worried about him, aren't you?
5: Why do you say that?
3: The way you looked around when we stepped outside here just now. Would you like me to see you home?
5: Oh. No. no, thank you. You've done enough already. And about him, I made a mistake, that's all.
3: Oh, we all make mistakes, so forget about it.
5: Well, I'm afraid this one can't be corrected very easily. But here's my cab. Good night, Mr. Dollar. Good night. You and I will probably never meet again. But I shan't forget your kindness. Thank you.
3: Okay, good night.
5: Downtown, please. I hope you have a nice trip home, Mr. Dollar.
3: Oh. Hey, whoa, oh. driver, hold it. Hey, anything wrong? What is it?
5: I don't know. I have the strangest feeling. Well, wait a minute, driver.
3: I... Hey, look, do you feel all right? You're shivering.
5: Yes, I... I know I... Oh, oh it hurts. Oh, what? What hurts? It hurts. I didn't think he... What what
3: is it? What can I do?
5: Help me.
7: Please, Mr. Dollar. Help me.
3: Let's go, driver. She fell back across the seat of the cab, writhing with pain. I took her in my arms and tried to find out what it was, but by that time she wasn't able to speak. In another ten seconds she was unconscious. The cab driver delivered us to an emergency hospital five minutes later. They carried her in through the ambulance entrance. I let the driver go and waited around the desk to see if I could learn what happened. Just waited.
5: Vicksburg emergency. Waited. One moment, please. Go ahead, please. Vicksburg emergency. Not at this time of the night, sir. You'll have to call first thing in the morning. I'd suggest any time after 7.30. Yes, sir. Yes?
3: Hey, uh, look, would it be all right to go back and talk to the doctor now?
5: I'm afraid not, sir.
3: Well, could you bring him out here? I've been waiting for quite... I'm
5: sure he'll be out in a very short while. He knows you're waiting to talk with him.
3: I thought maybe he forgot me. No, sir. I just want to make sure she's all right.
5: The doctor will be out. Vicksburg emergency. Just a moment, I'll connect you. Go ahead, please. Has she had many of these attacks, sir?
3: Hmm. Oh, I I don't know. I just met her.
5: Oh. Well, if you'd like, we could call you at home and let you know how she is.
3: This isn't my home. I'm on my way out of town as soon as I can get a plane. I'll wait.
5: Certainly. Excuse me. Yes, doctor. Yes, he's right here. Yes, sir, thank you. The doctor will see you now, sir. Good, thanks. End of the hall, room 111.
3: Okay, thank you. I don't know what it was or why that hallway looked so long to me. Call it an old fashioned premonition or what have you. That's what I had walking down the hall to see a doctor about a girl I'd known only a few minutes. There were three people in the room two doctors in their white clothes and a nurse. I can still see the light burning above their heads, the way they looked tired, exhausted. All three of them had been working very hard. Doctor? Yes? Oh, uh. You're the man who was with her. that's right. How is she? When did this happen? About a half hour ago. I put her in a cab at the Plantagen Hotel, and she complained of feeling sick. So I brought her here, but she lost consciousness in the cab. I see. Sit down, please. Oh, why? Some papers we want you to fill out, just routine. Oh. Your name, please? Johnny Dollar. And she is Mrs. Dollar? No. Oh, I see. Uh, You're a friend of hers, Mr. Dollar. Well, yes? Look. What is it, Doctor? What's the matter with her? I can't exactly tell you that right now, Mr. Dollar. What? Well, now, wait a minute. Why can't you... We have to contact her family first, Mr. Dollar. This girl is dead. Now, if you're willing to... Picture it. Yourself in my position, I mean. I'd known the girl only a few minutes. I didn't even know her name. Yet somehow I'd become closely involved with her. Too much so, I guess. All I knew about her was that she was someone who had died while asking me to help her. Under the circumstances, what would you do?
2: Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's exciting episode of this week's story. Tomorrow...
3: How can you help a dead girl? Somebody had to help her. And guess who? Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: From Hollywood, it's time
3: now for... Johnny Dollar.
8: Are you the Mr. Dollar from Hartford?
3: That's right. Who's this?
8: Jim Akins, Vicksburg Police Department. I'm sending a call over to pick you up, Mr. Dollar. Some questions I want to ask you about that young lady you were with last night. I hope you weren't planning on leaving town.
3: Of course I wasn't. I canceled my plane reservations last night. If you tell me where you're located, I'll come down by myself.
8: No sense getting head up. You aren't in your own backyard now, you know, darling. I know where
3: I am, the town where a girl died in my arms. If you can stop getting lacy with me for a minute, maybe you can tell me who she was. Why? Because I'd like to talk to her family. I was the last one to see her alive. Who is she?
8: We haven't identified her yet. To us, she's still Jane
4: Doe. <laughs>
3: to Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Plantagen matter. A real mystery about a very mysterious girl who happened to be dead. Expense account item five, ten cents, one morning newspaper, which carried a two-inch story and a half-inch space about an unidentified girl who had died at Vicksburg Emergency Hospital the previous evening. I was reading it over in the lobby of the Plantagen Hotel when one of the Vicksburg police force stepped up to the desk and asked for my room number. He was a swarthy man in a black suit, plain clothes type. Well,
8: I beg your pardon. I'm Johnny Dollar. Oh, Jim Akins. We talked on the phone a little while ago.
3: You said you were sending a car.
8: Well, you sounded so huffy about everything, I thought I'd drop over myself to say hello. I got the car outside. Okay, okay, let's go then. Where
3: are you from, Dollar? Hartford, Connecticut. I'm an insurance investigator. Look, I talked to a man in your burglary division yesterday... about the burglary they had at the hotel yesterday. I was sent down here by Eastern Seaboard Casualty Insurance Company. You got any identification on you? Yeah, sure.
4: Here.
8: Okay. Look like who you say you are. Now, just what was your connection with that girl... who died
3: at the emergency hospital? I met her outside in the parking lot last night... back at this hotel. She was with a man. I don't know who he was... They were having an argument. I stopped when she asked me to help her. I, uh, I got rid of the man and took her inside here and bought her a drink. Then I started to put her in a cab to send her home. But she got sick before the cab could take off, so I took her to the hospital. She died there. And that, Mr. Aikens, is it.
8: How long did you know her? About a half hour, I'll She didn't tell you her name? No. Where she lived? No. Hmm. The name of this man she was with in the parking lot, who was he? I haven't the slightest idea. Well, what kind of trouble was she having with him? She didn't tell me that either. I didn't ask her. But you sat in the cocktail lounge over there and you had a drink or two. One. One. No name, no address, no nothing. Well, maybe we better do all our talking downtown.
3: Anything you say, Aikens. Let's go. Higgins turned out to be a lieutenant and it took him the whole ride downtown to thaw out and make up his mind that I was just as concerned about what had happened to the unidentified girl as he was. He rephrased but asked me the same questions in front of a stenographer when we got down to his office. He was still asking me questions when he led me and the police stenographer to the basement of the building, the morgue.
8: And she didn't say anything to you about herself before she
3: collapsed, huh? No, no. All I know is what I've told you. You're sure? Sir? Positive. Hey, look, let me ask you one. I've put up with yours for over an hour now. I <laughs> well, sure. What killed her? Yeah. Well, do you know? No, we're still trying to find out. What did you talk about while you were having that drink with her? She asked me for help, that's all. It seems she needed somebody else to do the talking at the time, so I did it. I made jokes and tried to get her to laugh. I was a great big cut-up. Get sawed me if you want. It won't do much good. Still got some things to
8: find out. Yeah. Lousy, ain't it?
3: It sure is.
8: This is the girl you were with last night. Yes. You're positive? I'm positive. Okay, Dolly, you want to sign this for the records?
3: Well, that's.
8: That's good. All right, Sam, you can send this on upstairs. We'll be up pretty soon. Now, Dollar, did anyone there at the hotel bar seem to know her? I don't know. Cocktail waitress, somebody like that? I don't know. Well, I do. We asked around knowing that. Ever seen in the Plantagen Hotel before? Tell me something, Dollar. You ever worked on one like this?
3: No, not quite.
8: Okay, then. I'm going to tell you what we're up against. All the clothes she was wearing was standard brand stuff. Mostly come from stores downtown, some of them New York. It's going to take us a long time to check them out. We may not be able to trace them at all. We're going to work on the cleaning marks, too, and that'll take time. And from what you say and from what she said, and that wasn't much, she's probably a local girl. Somebody's wondering about her, but nobody come in and make out a report asking for her. I hate to do it. I might have to take a picture, run it in tonight's paper, just to find out who she is.
3: That could be pretty lousy for somebody. It's a lousy business.
8: I thought you could help me, Dollar. How? Well, two things. One, that bird she was with, he was arguing with out in the parking lot, you say. That meant he must have had a car out there. But you didn't bother to take a look at
4: it. No, no, I didn't.
8: And another thing now, where's her purse? I don't know. Well, she must have powdered her nose when she sat down to have that drink with you. Every woman does. She must have reached for a cigarette or something in that purse. So where is that purse? I don't know. Well, now, you see? You see how much help you are to me? Oh, just a second. Morgue, Lieutenant Akins. Oh, yeah, put him on.
3: While Lieutenant Akins talked on the telephone, I lit a cigarette. After that, I tried to interest myself in a calendar that was hanging on the wall. After that, I tried tying both shoelaces. But wherever my eyes roved around that white tiled room, somehow they always came back to rest on the quiet, still form of the girl who'd asked me for help. By any standard, she was attractive. Fine, golden hair spun out of smooth white skin. I remember her eyes had been very big and very brown. Now they were closed. But she looked more asleep than than what she was. She looked as though she might wake up any minute and answer me if I said out loud what I was saying to myself silently. How can I help you?
8: Let's get out of here, Dollar.
3: Okay, by me. That was the lab on the phone.
8: Had a little trouble with analysis. What
3: analysis? What kind of trouble?
8: Identifying. They called in a toxicologist from the university. A drug called perimithal killed her.
3: Perimithal? That's a new one on me. Yeah,
8: me too. Petrol-based stuff. Now, they figured it'd been in her stomach an hour or so before she collapsed. Could be a suicide, judging from the way she acted and talked to you.
3: What about the boyfriend?
8: Well, that seems to fit in okay. Told you she was disappointed in him, didn't she? Well, sometimes women want to end it all in front of a guy they're having trouble with. It'll probably turn out that. Oh, way. you
3: talk like a cop. Can... That's what I Everything's am. Everything's so simple. Make it fit into your formula. This girl knocked herself off because she lost her boyfriend. This girl killed herself because she lost a job. Fill it in, fill it in. Give it off the whoa, books. Whoa,
8: Badala. Whoa, what's the matter with you? What are you getting at? Oh,.
3: Oh, I don't know. Forget it, will you, Lieutenant?
8: No, now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. I'm not all cop, Dollar. I saw her laying there, too. And I can see she was a nice girl. Something went awful wrong with her. If I'd been the last one to be with and talk to her alive, why, I'd probably be taking it the same way you are. But take it easy.
3: Sorry, Lieutenant. Yeah. I'll buy you some breakfast. He did... But it didn't help much. And after that, we shook hands and parted. Expense account item six, two dollars. Cab fare back to the Plantagen Hotel. I went up to my room, packed my bags, called the airport and made arrangements to leave on the six o'clock plane. There was nothing more I could do about the case. Nothing more at all. It was police business. I had time before the plane for a quiet drink at the hotel bar.
4: What's your pleasure, sir?
3: Oh, some of that little water. Yes, sir. You, uh, you on duty last night by any chance?
4: Uh, Yes, sir. Why you
3: ask? I just wondered if you happen to remember me. No, sir. Uh, was you at the bar? At that table over there with a lady, a blonde girl in a green
4: suit. Well, I'm sorry. I just don't remember. Well, here you go. Thanks. Here. Keep the change. Well, thank you, sir. Now, I probably waited on you, but, well, uh, so many people, you know. Yeah, Sure. Uh, Why, you ask? The lady lost her purse. Thought maybe it might have been turned in here. No, sir. We didn't get any places last night. Uh, A couple of money clips is (laughs) all. Not much in them, either. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the lady who died later on, ain't you, sir?
3: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I am.
4: Uh, Police officers was in here asking the same questions. I Mm -hmm. thought they would be... You uh policeman, too? No, I was a friend of hers. Oh. Well, uh, then you should call the police. They're still trying to find out her name. So am I.
3: Hmm? Well, I thought you said she was a friend of yours. I didn't happen to know her name. It didn't seem important to ask it last night. I just don't understand. (sighs) I can tell you one thing. I might have saved her life if I'd asked her name. And some other things. Oh. Yes, sir. Sure. Expense account item seven, three dollars, three drinks. I sat there for almost an hour talking to the bartender. Once, when he stepped out to the kitchen, I went over to the booth where I'd sat the night before with the unidentified dead girl. I searched down on the cushions behind the table, under the chairs, hoping the missing purse might still be around. I found nothing. Then I had another idea. I left, went out to the parking lot where I'd first seen her.
8: car, mister?
3: No, I don't have one.
8: Oh.
3: Well? Hey, look, uh, last night I was out here with a lady. I, I met her and a man here in the parking lot, uh, about over there where that Chevy is. Uh-huh.
8: So what?
3: Well, the lady lost her purse last night. I just wondered if it, it might have been lost out here someplace.
8: Well, it might have been. Nobody turned anything into me. Want to take
3: a look? Sure, good.
8: All right. About what time last night?
3: Oh, around 10, maybe a few minutes after.
8: Uh-huh. A lot of cars in and around that time of night. Did you look last night? Oh,
3: I didn't know it was missing until this morning. Oh.
8: About here, you say, huh? Here's the Chevy. Yeah. Well, let's take a look.
3: Yeah, make it a good look.
8: Yeah. Well, hey, I think you're in luck. Huh? Yeah, yeah, here's a purse.
3: Hey, yeah, you're in real luck. Is that hers? It was hers, all right. A green suede purse, the same color as the green suit she'd been wearing. It still carried the faint sweet odor of her perfume as I remembered it. I looked inside, but there was nothing to tell me her name. Lipstick, comb, a $10 bill, and some small change. And one other item. A thirty-two automatic. Recently fired.
2: Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story.
3: Tomorrow... A dead girl's 38 automatic comes to life. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: From Hollywood, it's time now
3: for... Johnny Dollar.
5: This is the hotel operator. Ready with your call, Mr. Dollar. Oh, good.
0: Police department, Sergeant Peters.
3: I want to talk to somebody in the personnel division.
0: Uh, sorry, I haven't got one. What can I do for you?
3: I want to get some information about a gun, find out who it was licensed to and so on.
0: Come down to Licensing Division. I think we can help you there. Where's that? Two Twenty City Hall. Do you have the weapon? Uh, yes. Be sure and bring it along with you.
3: Tonight
2: and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Two, Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. For personal reasons. Location, Vicksburg, Virginia. Purpose? Well, it all started as an investigation of a burglary at the Plantagen Hotel. Once that was out of the way, I happened to run across a girl having an argument with a man in the hotel parking lot. She asked me to help her. I did. Girl suddenly gets sick and dies. Poison. I stay around to help find out who she is. I don't know that but I do know that she had a 38 in her purse. Three bullets recently fired. Expense account item eight, $2, cab fare, from the Plantagen Hotel the two miles into Vicksburg City Hall and room 220 as per instructions of Sergeant Peters. I felt more than a little guilty bypassing Lieutenant Jim Akins, who had questioned me earlier about the case. Yes? Sergeant Peters? That's right. Can I help you, sir? I hope so. I'd like to know if this gun's been registered with you people. Let's have a look. Hmm. You just bought it? Uh, Yeah. Got your bill of sale with you? Well, do you have to have one? You should. Who'd you buy it from? Oh, a fellow I met in a bar. Have you a permit to carry this weapon? Well, no, I haven't. Are you going to carry it? Oh, no, no, no. Then why'd you buy it? Oh, I just wanted it, that's all. Is there a law against that? no. No. But there's a law
0: against practically every other thing about a gun. You want to read those numbers off to me?
3: Sure. JJJ-4769-992. And then there's an X.
0: Okay. Make, Colt, caliber, thirty-eight, automatic, 7-shot. Yeah. Here, you'll have to fill this out. Pencil's over there. This will take a minute for me to check...
3: It took 15 minutes. In the meantime, I filled out the form, which notified the Vicksburg police that I was in possession of the above-described weapon, that I did not wish to apply for a permit to carry it, and so forth and so forth. After that, I stood around and smoked a cigarette and wondered if I should step downstairs and tell Lieutenant Jim Akins that I had found Jane Doe's purse and the gun. But before I had time to make up my mind...
0: Here we go. The gun was purchased in 1950 by the Piedmont Banking Service. That's a local armored truck outfit over on Maple Street. The gun was permitted for carrying to Raymond W. O'Connell, 232 Polk Street,
3: this city. Thanks. Raymond O'Connell. Yeah. Anything else? That's all. Thanks. That was when I could have but didn't walk downstairs to Lieutenant Aiken's office. Instead, I walked outside with a gun in my pocket and the slip of paper containing the name and address of the man who had carried it, Raymond O'Connell. Expense account item nine, $25. Deposit on a rented car to get me to 232 Polk Street. Ready. Hello.
7: Oh, I was expecting someone else. I'm so sorry. You're not Paul, are you? No,
3: I'm afraid not. My name is Johnny Dollar.
7: Oh, Mr. Dollar? That's right. Well, what can I do for you, Mr. Dollar?
3: I'm looking for Raymond O'Connell. Ray? Yes.
7: Oh, come inside, Mr. Dollar. Thank you. I really didn't mean to throw myself at you at the door. I thought you were someone else I'm expecting. Uh, I- I'm Terry. Terry? Teresa. Terry O'Connell, Mr. Dollar.
3: Oh, his wife?
7: I'm Ray's widow. What? Ray's dead, Mr. Dollar. He passed away over a year ago. It was pneumonia.
3: Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. O'Connell. Oh,
7: please call me Terry. You had no way of knowing about him, I'm sure. And please don't be uncomfortable. A great many of Ray's friends from the service come by who have no idea that he's dead. Were you in his company, too?
3: Oh, just a minute, Mrs. O'Connell. I He think had you're... so
7: many friends and met so many people while he was in the service, and really there was no way for you to you know. You don't
3: understand, Mrs. O'Connell. I never I'll knew. I'll get your
7: drink and we'll talk. Where did you serve with Ray? You know, he finally became a pilot. What do you like to drink?
3: She was young and dark and very pretty. And as the widow of a man who died rather suddenly... she was doing her best to put me at my ease. I would have told her I was there... checking out the registration on a thirty-eight that had been used by her dead husband. I would have told her I found the gun in the purse... of an unidentified dead girl I'd met the night before. But she was trying to be polite... mistaking me for a friend of her dead husband. And then I saw the picture in the frame on the mantle. A broad smiling face that belonged to a man... I'd met in the parking lot of the Plantagen Hotel an unidentified man who had been arguing with the dead girl. The words on the picture said, to Terry, all my love.
7: you know him? Paul? Paul? Yes, Paul Dameron.
3: I think I met him once. I really didn't know his name. Was he a friend of your husband, of Ray's?
7: Oh, no. No, he never knew Ray. He's a darling, Mr. Dollar. Paul is. A real darling. After Ray died, I tried something very foolish. I tried to end my life. And then Paul came into it. He's been very lovely to me. We're... Well, I don't know why I shouldn't tell you. We're going to be married.
3: I think that's fine, Terry.
7: Do you really? Sure. I'm glad you say that. I'm not the most courageous person in the world... I suppose Ray mentioned our lives together. It was perfect with Ray, Mr. Dollar. Perfect. But now Ray's gone. And I've been able to face that. I think I'm going to find a new life with Paul. You must meet him. He'll be here soon. We're dining out tonight. Well, perhaps you'll join us.
3: Well, thank you, Mrs. O'Connell, but I I can't make it tonight.
7: How long will you be in Vicksburg?
3: I don't know exactly.
7: Where are you staying?
3: The Plantagen Hotel.
7: Well, perhaps I could give you a ring and we could make it another night. I know you won't talk about Ray. Of course, Paul understands.
3: I'm sure he does.
7: He's truly a wonderful person.
3: He hadn't looked very wonderful the night before, standing in the parking lot arguing with a girl who had died. But then that was my side of the picture, and it wasn't complete. And somebody still had to explain the thirty-eight with the three bullets missing. I left Terry O'Connell went outside and bought an evening paper and then sat in my rented car reading it. The photographer at the morgue had done a good job. The unidentified girl's picture was on page one. I was reading the story over a second time when a dark business coupe pulled up behind me and Paul Dameron got out, heading for Terry O'Connell's doorway. Just a minute. What? Just a
6: minute.
3: Hello, Paul. What? You. Yeah, me. Now, look, Dameron.
6: What are you doing here? How'd you know my name? Or are you some professional gunsel coming around to
3: sock me again? I still don't... stop it, will you, Dameron? My name's Johnny Dollar. I want you to tell me who that girl was last night in the parking lot. The one you had the big argument with.
6: Huh? Oh. Well, you were the big hero there, butting in where it was none of your business. I didn't like it then, and I... All right,
3: simmer down, will you? Who was she? Come on, what's her name?
6: What's it to you? Well, Dameron... Uh, Okay, okay. It's Amy. Amy Durant. Amy Duran. Yeah. We work at the same office. Now, look, Buster, I'm not afraid of you, but I I don't want any trouble, see? So if you'll just go somewhere else and wait. Wait a line... minute,
3: will you? How does Amy Duran tie in with Therese O'Connell?
6: Look, I don't know who you are or what you're after, but you've certainly got your nerve about... Answer me, Paul. Okay, okay. Terry is Amy's sister. Satisfied? I don't know. Who are you, anyhow? A policeman or something? My
3: name is Johnny Dollar. I'm here because Because of Because if you aren't, I want to know what right you have to ask me all these questions. Pull off, will you? I've been trying to find out who she is. Because last night, after you went off, we had a drink together. Then she got sick and I took her to a hospital. She died there. What? She died. She's lying in the morgue right now, unidentified. It was some kind of poison that killed her.
6: Amy, dead?
3: No, I don't believe it. Here in the paper tonight. The police are trying to identify her right now. I... I can't believe it.
6: Poison. Oh, Dollar, I... I didn't think Amy was that desperate. There was a way out. She could have solved it without this. Way out of what? It... There was no need for her to do this. I told her I'd help her. I had no idea she... Poison. Does Terry know? Not yet. I've got to tell her before she sees it like this in the newspaper. It'll be awful for a dollar, awful. Look, I apologize for the way I've acted. The way I was last night, I... I was upset. I can see now you're trying to help. Now, let me go in and break this to Terry. Call me later. Here. My card. Call
3: me. Call me. I had to admit that Paul Dameron's concern seemed as genuine as his surprise. He rushed up to be admitted to the O'Connell house. After he was inside the door, I went back to my car and took out the 38 automatic that had led me to the sister of Amy O'Connell, three bullets still missing. I drove downtown to the Vicksburg police station to turn the gun into Lieutenant Akins and tell him the whole story as I knew it, how I'd found the gun in the dead girl's purse, how I'd managed to find out her name. The three missing bullets and other unanswered questions were up to the police. Yeah. yeah, well,
8: I, I. Oh, hi, Dollar. Thought you'd left town. Joe? All right, Joe. As soon as they clear that place up, you notify the lad. Hi,
3: Lieutenant. Right. I'm trying to get to you. I think I have something that better be looked into. Oh, really? Oh, excuse me. Lieutenant Aiken. Yeah.
8: On the south side of town? Yeah? Yeah, well, well, in about 15 minutes. Right. I'm sorry, Della. What was it you were saying? Why
3: all the hustle? Something big? A uh, homicide
8: happened yesterday sometime.
3: Yeah, who got it? A
8: guy named Belden. Somebody shot him three times with a 38. <laughs>
2: Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this
3: week's story. Tomorrow, information about the gun that blows the whole case sky high. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
9: This is Mr. Oldfield calling, sir. You left word at my office, Mr. Dollar. That's right,
3: Mr. Oldfield. I think I'm going to need an attorney.
9: Divorce, civil suit, what, Mr. Duller?
3: Withholding evidence, murder.
9: Let's take the murder first. Who did it? I don't
3: know, but I'm pretty sure I have the murder weapon in my possession right now. Who was killed? A man named Belden, I think.
9: What do you want me to do, sir?
3: Take my statement, notarize it, give me some legal advice. Where are you? Police station in the pay booth down the hall from homicide.
9: I'll meet you there in five minutes. <laughs>
2: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. Location, Vicksburg, Virginia. To Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. For personal reasons. Attention, Chief Accountant, Eastern Seaboard Casualty Insurance Corporation, Providence, Rhode Island. Dear Jim, I'm attaching my own expense sheet to your bill for clarification purposes. Expense account item 10, 10 cents. One cup of coffee at the counter in the lobby of the Vicksburg police station while I waited for Samuel W. Oldfield, attorney-at-law, to appear. He was there in exactly five minutes.
9: Mr. Dollar?
3: That's right.
9: Sam Oldfield, sir. You're the only one here in the lobby, so I figured you were the right man. Yeah. cup of coffee, Mr. Oldfield? No, thanks. Gives me heartburn. But now sit down, will you? That was a pretty interesting phone call. Tell me, who are you, sir?
3: Johnny Dollar.
9: I'm a private insurance investigator. Mm -hmm. How'd you get my name? I looked it up in the yellow pages of the telephone directory. You don't live here in Vicksburg? No, I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. All right, sir. Now, tell me about the murder and the withholding of information. Maybe I better start from the top.
3: Go right ahead any way you like. Well, two days ago, I flew down here to investigate a small burglary at the Plantagen Hotel. It was already solved by the time my plane got in. Police? Yeah. I had nothing better to do, so I waited around the hotel bar for my return reservation back to Hartford. Then I happened to walk outside to the parking lot for a breath of fresh air. I saw a woman and a man standing there arguing. When I got close to them, the woman asked me to help her. I did. How do you mean? Well, uh... The man she was with started to act like a kid. He got rough, so I shoved him away. Go on. Well, the woman was upset, so I took her inside the hotel and bought her a drink. After that, I put her in a cab and started to send her on her way. She started to act sick about that. Wait.
9: Is this the woman whose picture was in the paper tonight, the one who died of poisoning and the police don't know who she is?
3: Yeah. I don't know who she is, Mr. Oldfield, except that her name's Amy Duran. I found out her name because I found her person. there was a gun in it. A 38 Colt registered to a man named O'Connell. I checked on the gun here at headquarters, went out to the address and found out O'Connell was a bank guard and had died about a year ago. I talked to his wife, Teresa O'Connell. While I was there, the man I'd seen the night before showed up. His name's Paul Dameron. Now, I didn't tell him or Mrs. O'Connell about the gun. I came down here to give it to the police and tell them. But when I got here, Lieutenant Akins was pretty busy trying to solve the murder of a man named Belden, who had been shot with a 38 three times. There are three slugs missing from the gun I found. You got a light, sir? Yeah. Here you go.
9: When you uh, found Amy Duran's purse, why didn't you turn it over to the police?
3: Oh, I thought I... Well, somehow I thought maybe I could help the girl. I mean, her last words before she died were, help me. And for some reason or other, I, I thought maybe I could.
9: Do you have any cards or letters, anything like that? Something that says you're what you say you are, sir? Yeah, sure. Let's see. Okay, Dollar. Now, as I see it, you probably hooked up with someone who did some shooting. And that's what worries you. I want you to take my statement and notarize it before I turn the gun in. That'll protect you some. If they want to get nasty, they can, though. You know that. Yeah, I know. Well, as I see it, the main job here is to try to keep you out of trouble. And a statement explaining your motive for participation in the whole affair might help. That's why I called you. All right, then. Now, Dollar. Yeah? You didn't shoot anybody, did you? No. Okay, then, sir. Let's go over to my office.
3: We did, and I made the necessary statement, and Mr. Oldfield notarized it. After that, I went back to the Vicksburg police station to talk to Lieutenant Akins. The 38 I'd found in Amy Duran's purse was still in my pocket, and her words were still in my mind. Help me. Please help me.
8: you was going back
3: to Hartford, Dollar. Oh, I, uh, decided to hang around and see what came up. mm
8: mm-hmm. Nothing so far on the girl. No one's recognized a picture in the paper. Had to turn that over to missing persons. This murder case gonna eat up all my time.
3: What happened, Lieutenant?
8: Oh, mate at the apartment house where this man, Belden, was staying, found him late this afternoon. He'd been dead about 24 hours, shot with a thirty-eight. You sure? I'm sure. We did a post-mortem right away. It's pretty set case.
3: You, uh, you know who shot him?
8: <laughs> Have a pretty good idea. See, this Belden, he was an auditor working on some books at a firm of textile wholesalers here. Richmond Limited. The papers scattered around his apartment show he'd found a $10,000 shortage going over their books. And the chief accountant for this Richmond company is missing.
3: Yeah, well, that does make it seem pretty clean. Yeah,
8: all we have to do is find that accountant. Had an APB out for half an hour now. I think we'll pick her up pretty soon.
3: Her? Who?
8: Well, her, Dollar. The chief accountant for Richmond Limited. She's a woman. Name of, uh, Amy Duran.
3: To all appearances, Amy Duran had been guilty of embezzling money and murdering the auditor, Belden, who had discovered the shortages in her books. I didn't tell Akins that his suspect was the girl lying in the morgue at the moment unidentified. I knew that it was only a matter of minutes before her sister or Paul Dameron would be down to identify her. And for the third time, I didn't tell Lieutenant Akins about the gun. I knew if I turned that over to him, it would be a closed case all around. And somehow I didn't want it closed on Amy Duran. Not that way. For that reason, I went back to my hotel room for a couple of hours and... Then about 9 o'clock that night, I found myself over on Polk Street at Teresa O'Connell's house once more. Oh. Hello, Mrs. O'Connell.
7: Oh, uh, Mr. Dollar, isn't it? Yes. Oh, Mr. Dollar, I... I had the most awful news tonight. My sister Amy... She's dead. You'll have to excuse me. I'm sorry. May I come in?
3: I'd like to talk to you about your sister, Mrs. O'Connell.
7: Well, I... I... Paul came in with tonight's paper and showed me Amy's picture. He went down in the morgue to identify I couldn't bear to. Sure. I feel somehow, in some way, that... You're a friend, Mr. Dollar.
3: Mrs. O'Connell, I am a friend in a way. But mostly I'm an insurance investigator.
7: What?
3: You thought I was a friend of your dead husband when I came here earlier. I'm not. I never even knew him. But,
7: Mr. Dollar, I don't understand. I met
3: your sister, Amy, last night. I was the last one to speak to her before she died. I took her to the emergency hospital last night.
7: Oh, wait, wait. This is all very confusing. You say you're an insurance investigator?
3: Yes. Now, when... Well, I got your address from a gun I found in your sister's purse... I traced it through the license to carry. This gun, Mrs. O'Connell. Your husband was licensed to carry it when he worked for a banking firm. Do you recognize it?
7: Oh, yes, I suppose I do. I think it's one of Ray's guns.
3: Now, please, please, let me find something out first. Believe me, I do want to help. Did you know your sister had this gun?
7: Oh, no, I... What would Amy want with a gun? I mean, well, she could have picked it up here any time she came over and probably did... But why would Amy have a gun in her purse? Sit down,
3: please. Now, Mrs. O'Connell, you better listen to me carefully. Sometime late yesterday afternoon or early evening, a man named Belden was shot and killed.
7: Clarence Belden? Yes. Why, he worked with an auditing firm. Amy spoke of him. (sighs) Mr. Dollar...
3: Wait now, wait. Listen to the rest of this. Belden had been working on books for Richmond Limited... As I understand it, your sister Amy was responsible for those books. Right now, the police have enough evidence to figure that your sister stole $10,000 from Richmond Limited.
7: Amy? Oh, no. Now, hear me out, Mrs.
3: O'Connell. They have that evidence in bulk form. They certainly have reason to assume, and they are assuming, that your sister shot Belden to keep him quiet about the shortage.
7: How can you say those things about Amy when she's not here to defend herself? Please,
3: please. I'm just telling you what's going on downtown, what they've found. This gun, they don't have yet. I've withheld it. It has been fired three times recently. Belden was shot three times. By now, your sister's body has no doubt been identified. They've already established that she died of poisoning, and they halfway have the idea that she committed suicide. No. Oh, don't you see? They'll say she shot Belden to cover up and keep it quiet, and then saw how useless it was, took poison and killed herself to escape punishment.
7: You're horrible. Horrible. Go away. Go away from me. I'm
3: sorry, but in the face of all this, I want to help her if I can, if it isn't too late. I want to help you. But, Mrs. O'Connell, you'll have to help me. Now, why? Why would your sister steal? Why? I don't know. I think you do know. Tell me, please, for her sake, Mrs. O'Connell.
7: Why? What have you got to do with her? I
3: met her only for a few minutes. But in that few minutes, I got the idea that she was a pretty nice person. She didn't strike me as a thief. She didn't look like a killer. And most of all, she didn't look like a woman who'd take the suicide way out of things. Now, that's all I have, except that she asked me to help her. And I'm trying to do that now. Believe me, I want to help her if I can.
7: I've always been an awful child, Mr. Dollar. When Ray died, I tried to kill myself. Amy saved me. I remember then, at the hospital. She was beside my bed, and she said to me, I'll make you want to live again. I'll make you... Amy was always like that, kind and decent. You weren't wrong about her. She was decent, thoughtful, good. She. she did everything for me. She gave me these clothes and a car, introduced me to nice people from her office, like Paul, Paul Dameron. Yes. That must be where all the money went to. Not on herself, but on me. For me. I'm the only reason I can think of that she'd take money from the firm. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know she was stealing for me. I didn't know. I wouldn't have let her do it. She didn't have to pamper me that much. I'm not that much of a child. She didn't have to do it. She didn't have to do it. Wait,
3: wait a minute.
7: She didn't kill herself. She didn't steal. She didn't murder that man. I did all those things because it was all for me. (laughs)
2: Now, here's our star to tell you about the final intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow,
3: all the evidence comes true. A helpless dead girl gets her help. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From
2: Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny
3: Dollar.
6: This is Paul Dermond, Mr. Dollar. I was afraid you'd left town and I wanted to talk to you. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to thank you for your kindness about Amy and the way you handled Terry. It was darn decent of you. And of course, I want to apologize for my attitude again.
3: How's Mrs. O'Connell? It's
6: terrible. I mean, the papers this morning connected her sister Amy with murdering Belden and committing suicide. I'm curious. How did you get to her?
3: I found Amy's purse and there was a gun in it. I looked up the registration.
6: Oh, the murder gun.
3: I don't know. I haven't turned it over to the police yet. Why? Because I still can't believe Amy Duran was the kind of girl who'd shoot a man and then take poison. Tonight,
2: and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours
3: truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Vicksburg, Virginia, to Special Investigator Johnny Dollar for personal reasons in connection with the plant agent matter. Expense account item 11, $15, legal fees, for services rendered by lawyer Sam Oldfield.
9: Now, sign here, Dollar. And here, sir. Okay, I guess that's it. What now, Mr. Oldfield? this statement you've made to me clearly states your intentions in this matter your motives you attempted to help a girl who died in your company you had no idea she might have committed a murder or embezzled ten thousand dollars you withheld evidence the gun you found in her purse in the hope of identifying her and saving her
3: family some grief
9: i hope you don't have to use this stuff
3: we'll see I'm going to turn the gun in now, and you're coming with me. It's about time.
4: Hmm?
9: Nothing personal, son. I think you did a lot of dumb things for her. From what they're saying in the papers about her, I don't think she deserved it. (sighs) But then we all make wrong guesses sometimes, I suppose. Ah, let's get this over with.
3: (laughs) Lawyer Sam Oldfield accompanied me downtown to police headquarters where we sought out Lieutenant Akins and turned over the 38 automatics. Oldfield handed the statement over to him, and he read it through. Then he called in his ballistics man to make an immediate check of the gun. When he'd done that, Aikens asked Oldfield and myself to wait. He left. An hour later, he came back.
8: You are a lucky boy, Dollar.
3: First off, I'm going to
8: tell you, that gun you've been withholding, that's the same weapon that killed the auditor, Clarence Belden. Okay, now, you played it as safe as you could, and you hired this lawyer to protect you when it came to turning it in. Well, you didn't need him. Huh? Any other time I'd have put you in the poker so fast, you'd have thought you was born there. This time I'm feeling
9: generous. You can go, Mr. Oldfield. Me? You. No charges against Mr. Dollar of withholding information? No, not this time. I got my Jane
8: Doe identified. I know a motive for killing the auditor. I know why she took the poison. You generally don't get everything in the neat package like that, so I feel generous. Then let's get
9: out here, Dollar. You get out. I won't talk to Dollar. Then I'll stay listen. It's okay, Mr. Oldfield. I'm going to get a lecture, as all. Are you sure? Yeah. Call me later, then. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Yeah.
8: One thing more, Dollar. We found an empty bottle of paramithal in Amy Duran's medicine cabinet, and that cinches that suicide part, in case you had any doubts. It's a closed case. Uh huh. But you didn't help me close it, Dollar, and you could have. You worked with the police for years. You were an officer yourself once. What makes you think you can come down here and run around doing all these things you've done and get away with them? Why did not you turn that gun in with the purse as soon as you found it? All
3: right, I'll tell you, because I... Oh, it doesn't make any difference now, Lieutenant. You've got your case.
8: And you're lucky. Darn lucky, boy, I don't have you, too. Because you know just as well as I do that... Oh. Lieutenant Aikens. Okay, right away. Dollar, I got business to take care of. Next time you're in my town,
3: (laughs) you take it easy. I will. But I don't think I'll ever come to your town again. On general principles. Well, I guess I know how you felt about that girl.
8: I'm not going to make any fuss about what you did. But I don't think I'd let it pass a second time. She sure didn't look the part, did she? No, she didn't. Well, yeah, happens that way sometimes. What you told me about that kid's sister of hers trying suicide and so forth after she lost her husband. Well, Amy Duran had a good motive for stealing that money. If motive can ever be good.
6: Dollar? Lieutenant? Oh? Huh? I, uh, I was just on my way to see you, Lieutenant. I'll be back in my office in a couple of minutes. You can go on in and wait, Mr. Dameron. Glad I saw you, Mr. Dollar. I think there's something I should explain to you. You'd be interested in this, too, Lieutenant. Mr. Dollar saw me arguing with Amy Duran in a parking lot at the Plant Agent Hotel last night. She just told me about the shortage in accounts. She hadn't told me about killing the auditor. I want you to know that I was racking my brain trying to find a way to get hold of some money to make up the shortage. I was always very fond of Amy. I, uh... Wonder, Mr. Deller, if I could give you a check, huh? Something for your kindness. Nothing, thanks. Well, I, I'd like to. You did something very decent. No. Oh. Well, I suppose you'll be leaving soon. Goodbye and thanks again. I'll uh, be in your office, Lieutenant. Right. Hmm.
8: Got to him too, if it's any comfort.
6: What was that business
8: in the parking lot? Oh, well, I I hit him. He was arguing with her, that's all. No. You weren't the only one trying to help her, Dollar. Him. And then there was somebody else. Huh? A bank. We found a certified check for $10,000 in Amy Duran's apartment.
4: What?
8: National Trust in New York, issued three days ago. I wired the head cashier in New York. He said Amy Duran phoned him long distance, requested the loan. Seems her folks, when they were alive, had a good pull. Wait, at that minute, bank wait a minute, hold it.
3: Then this isn't right. She could have covered that shortage. Well, I
8: figure she intended to do that, but the auditor found out too quick. He called her on it, and she shot him.
3: With a $10,000 check in her hand? Well... There isn't an auditor or a bonding company going that wouldn't prefer to turn up the cash and the person who took it? They'd listen to any reasonable story, you know that. Well,
8: the auditor must have scared her, Dollar. She shot him, didn't she? She committed suicide, didn't she?
3: You make a lot of noise, Higgins, but you aren't any happier about this than I am, are you? No. Why let the papers have it the way it is? Well, so that whoever knows Ansel will
8: get careless. Sure, it burns me, somebody thinking the police are as dumb as this. Burns me. Well, what are you going to do? Wait. Just Wait.
3: I found that pretty hard to do. And the more I waited and the more I thought about the matter, the more restless I felt. So I didn't wait. I got out and started interviewing people who had known the murdered auditor. The consensus was that he knew his business, that if he'd found a shortage and someone offered to reimburse the company, he had been the kind of old hand who would have listened to them. Why, I asked myself, if Amy Duran had a $10,000 check to cover her shortages, why did she shoot the auditor and then commit suicide? Why? It didn't make sense.
6: Oh, Dollar.
3: Hello, Dameron.
6: Come in, Dollar. I'm uh, glad you dropped by. I thought you'd left town, going back to Hartford.
3: Well, I've stayed over so long waiting for all this to get cleared up, I thought I might as well stick around a while longer. Sure. Can I get you a drink? No, thanks.
6: It, uh, Is finished, isn't it? Not yet. I don't understand. I talked with Lieutenant Aikens today after I saw you with him. He said it was all over as far as he was concerned. You're talking to me
3: now, Dameron. I'm the guy who went out on the limb. And I appreciate that a great deal. A question I want to ask you. You knew Amy Duran. Worked with her at Richmond Limited. You're engaged to marry her sister. Did you know Amy had a $10,000 check in her hand the day she died? Really? That was enough money to cover the shortages in her accounts. Well, be darned. Or do you suppose she shot him? Did what she did then? I've been thinking about that, Tamron. There's only one reason I can think of. Because Amy Duran didn't steal any money, because she didn't shoot any auditor, she didn't commit suicide. I think she borrowed that $10,000 from New York to cover up for somebody else.
6: Somebody else? Who?
3: You. Maybe you better leave here. You're upset. That auditor was a smart guy. He'd been in the business a long time. He found out who'd been taking the money. He called you over to ask you about it, ask you if you could repay it. You lost your head and you shot him with the thirty-eight you picked up over at Teresa O'Connell's one day. Now, look. Then you fixed up all the reports to make it look like Amy Duran did the job. You're crazy. That's
6: fantastic. If you think I'm Amy Duran
3: to... borrowed money to cover for you. She did it not because you were worth it, but because you meant something to her kid sister. You meant something to Teresa O'Connell, who'd lost one husband and tried suicide because of it. A Teresa O'Connell who couldn't afford another major tragedy. A Teresa O'Connell who might try suicide again if the man she was going to marry turned out to be a thief. You counted on that, Dameron. I don't know what you're talking about. One thing you hadn't counted on was the auditor picking it up so fast. And when he called you, you had to kill him to keep him quiet. Then you made a date with Amy out at the plant agent hotel. You slipped poison in her drink and planted the gun in her purse. This is all talk. Just talk. You have nothing to prove she a She had single... one drink with you before you argued with her out in the parking lot. She told me, and the bartender later verified it. Then I came along. Now, look, you're a big guy, Dameron. You could have hit me back in that parking lot, but you didn't have time. You still had to get over to Amy's apartment and plant an empty poison box. You're crazy. You have no proof of this. No proof at all. No, I haven't. But I've been thinking about it all day, and there'll be proof. You had to buy that poison someplace. Lieutenant Akins is a pretty good police officer. He and his men will cover every drugstore in this town and ask questions everywhere. Now, listen, I'm going to tell him what I think, and he'll dust off that box of poison. Maybe your prince will turn up on it. Sooner or later, guys like you make mistakes, and Akins finds them. Get out, out of here, Dolly. Get out of here. here. Now, listen, you. A girl, a fine, decent girl, asked me for help. This is the quickest way I know to give her the Help! I'll kill you, dollar! Oh, no. I'll kill you. No, you won't. You're not going to kill me. Okay. Okay, come on, come on. Get up, get up. Get up? I've had enough. I've had enough. I want you to tell it now, right now. Over there. Pick it up. Go on, pick it up. Okay, here. And you know who to call. Hello.
6: Hello. Give me the police.
3: Expense account item 12 $55, room and board. Item 13, $55, airfare and miscellaneous, getting me back to Hartford. Total expense account, $702.13. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Remember, there'll be another exciting story of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, beginning next Monday night. Next
3: week, a whole city is aroused by one of the dirtiest rackets of modern times, and I end up right in the middle of things. Join us, won't you? Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood, written by John Dawson. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Hurt in this week's cast were Michael Ann Barrett, Gene Bates, Marvin Miller, Frank Gerstle, Lawrence Dobkin, Jack Crucian, Ken Peters, and Herb Butterfield. Musical supervision by Amerigo Marino. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. <laughs>